The aim of the cybersecurity framework, a collaborative work produced earlier this year by the U.S. federal government with extensive contributions from the private sector, is to provide guidance to the operators of the nation's critical infrastructure to secure their information systems. But could the cybersecurity framework actually worsen cybersecurity? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined by Eli Dorado, a research fellow in the Technology Policy Program at George Mason University's Mercatus Center. Along with his colleague Andrea Castillo, Dorado has published a paper entitled Why the Cybersecurity Framework Will Make Us Less Secure. Welcome, Eli. Thanks. Glad to be talking with you. Okay. Why will the cybersecurity framework make us less secure? Cybersecurity is an extremely complex area. The cybersecurity that we have that has protected us so far is the result of an emergent, bottom-up, cooperative process between all kinds of players in, in the ecosystem. And that emergent quality is hard to replicate through sort of top-down direction. The more complex and dynamic the system is, the more difficult it is to sort of comprehensively plan to replicate the effective emergent aspects of what is going on through a comprehensive uh, uh, top-down plan. So you're relying on the marketplace to provide these solutions as you felt they've done over the years? Yeah, network operators, operators of financial sector, others who have an interest in sort of protecting their own assets, but also service providers, right? So there are companies who, of course, specialize in providing security products, uh, academic researchers who help discover vulnerabilities and responsibly disclose them. It's hard to coordinate the interaction between them all at a, a national or governmental level. What would actually make us more secure is to leverage that existing dynamic provision of security instead of trying to plan who has what roles and what boxes they all need to be checking. You used the word, I think, dynamic or dynamic cybersecurity. Uh, explain what that is. Sure. The term that we decided to use it came out actually of another paper I wrote on just ISPs and how ISPs work together to create security online. What's interesting about ISPs is that they peer and, and they have transit arrangements on a uh, at-will basis. Typically, there's no contract when networks connect to each other. And they do this so that they can de-peer uh, when, when their peers are not providing adequate security. What I found in, in the earlier paper was that that actually represents a great deal of how we are actually producing cybersecurity, but it's not something that is really seen. It's that dynamism of being able to say, pick up the phone and call your, your fellow network operator saying, you've got to fix this or else we're going to de-peer you, even if it's not stated that explicitly. To us, that was an interesting and dynamic aspect of how security can be provided. Well, I exchange emails about your paper with Adam Sedgwick of the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and he's the federal government's point man on the cybersecurity framework, probably its biggest evangelist. Based on his initial glance at your study, he doesn't see how the framework is a plan, as, as you wrote, to federally categorize industries and prioritize vulnerabilities as determined by federal agencies and private consultants. He says the framework is not a single standard, plus he points out that there's a wide agreement on the need to leverage what I guess you would call dynamic security. In fact, he says, and he points out on page four of the framework, it states that to ensure extensibility and enable technical innovations, the framework is technology neutral and relies on a variety of existing standards, guidelines, and practices to enable critical infrastructure providers to achieve resilience. Is he missing the point or what? <laughs> Well, uh, uh, yes. I mean, I think that um, there's often lip service to to this uh, dynamism that I'm 
referring to, but I think that the idea of of having a, you know a, a program to, to to try to to replicate that, I, I just I think it's misguided. I, I think it it doesn't work. It's great that that there's a recognition that this is this is important, but I I think that there's not a recognition of the way that sort of the classification schemes and and the essentially not assigning, but very very much encouraging people to adopt certain roles, specific roles that are fixed, can undermine dynamic cybersecurity provision. I think this would argue or, uh, that, you know, they're not demanding anybody do anything. What they're doing is they're, they're t- taking a collection of best practices and they have hundreds of private sector people involved in developing this and just offering it to infrastructure owners and other businesses that choose to, to follow it. These are some best practices to secure your IT. So for now, the the framework is voluntary. There's talk about having incentives to implement it. I mean, the incentives are not jail time for not implementing it, but but they're there. At some point in the future, this could become non-voluntary. There's, of course, been legislation to make it not voluntary. The definition of what is critical infrastructure keeps expanding, too. So I worry that at some point in the future, this is going to become a less voluntary plan that applies to a lot of people. You raised two points. I guess let's address both. One is about becoming uh, mandatory and the other about too many industries being considered critical infrastructure. Uh, let's address the first point. Even outside of cyber, is there a role for government to re- to provide regulations? And if so, in certain areas, why not in cyber? Sure. I think that, you know, for instance, the, the example I always give of, you know, what the government should be doing is something like antibiotic resistance, right? So antibiotic resistance is a real problem where there's collective action problems and, and the government should regulate to solve it. In cybersecurity, I'm not convinced that there's a huge market failure. A lot of the players involved have skin in the game. They have something on the line and they want to be secure. One proactive way that the government can help improve cybersecurity that we discuss in the paper is that the government should purchase cybersecurity insurance for its own agencies and for you know heavily regulated monopolies in order to help kickstart that market. That's a clear market failure with the, the demand for cybersecurity insurance, but there hasn't been a market at this point. And I'd like to get to that in a few moments. Sure, but I mean, I'm not saying that there's no role, right? I'm saying, you know, we, we do dis- discuss what we think are constructive things that the government could do as well. We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, let's talk about the uh, too many industries that you feel are being deemed critical infrastructure. Is it that they are, are critical infrastructure? Provide an example of what you mean by too many industries. What, what sector out there should not be considered uh, critical infrastructure? What I think critical infrastructure should cover are utilities that have a, a sort of regulated monopoly that aren't subject to market forces. So something like nuclear power plants. I have no problem with that being covered as, as critical infrastructure. Other industries between you know the finance sector or internet networks, I do have a problem with those being considered critical, critical physical infrastructure, even though they are infrastructure. And why so? As I say, subject to market forces and not in danger of under-providing cybersecurity. You're taking a very market-based approach, and obviously you have the faith in the market. I think some of people are looking at what would the impact on our society should something go wrong with these, you know, whether it's banks or a water company. It could be a philosophical difference you have with some of the framers of, of the framework. 
Well, I'm sure that there, there's a big philosophical difference. I mean, the other point is that, yes, something could go wrong, but what we actually observe, the kinds of cybersecurity problems that we observe actually happening are things like data breaches and espionage and, you know, cybercrime, not these cyber Pearl Harbor events that we sometimes hear, hear talked about. I don't see any evidence that is a serious threat that justifies more government involvement than, of course, the government monitoring its own resources, which it should do. You make three recommendations. Let's go over them. First, you, you say narrowly define the term critical infrastructure to increase clarity and focus priorities. So I guess this is what we've just been just talking about. And when you talk about focus and priorities, you're talking about basically catastrophic failures versus data breaches, the information being stolen, that kind of thing. I think that, that absolutely that the government should ensure, try to ensure that you know nuclear power plants are not breached. But the more you add to that task, the government also has to secure all these other industries. The more complex that system becomes and the harder the job is and the more difficult it becomes to do an effective job at any of them through the adoption of a, a centralized plan. Second recommendation, as you made reference to, is cultivating a private sector cyber insurance market by purchasing coverage for breached riddled federal agencies. A couple things come to my mind with this kind of recommendation. One is it seems like maybe the marketplace isn't working if the premiums are too high, is what you point out in your paper for some organizations. And secondly, the federal government doesn't usually take out insurance to protect itself. It has enough wherewithal to be able to self-insure you know, you'd be changing a certain dynamic in government, wouldn't you? Correct. First of all, I mean, it should be noted that federal agencies, I think in the most recent year that data is available, they experienced, I believe it's 22,000 breaches. So this is not just a small number. Yeah, I think that you're right, that, the, that there's been a, a difficulty in getting this market off the ground, and that's a legitimate role of government is to to help markets when they don't work. So yeah, the government could buy cybersecurity insurance and you know maybe force these sort of regulated monopolies such as uh, nuclear power plants to also buy cybersecurity insurance. That would create a class of specialists who look and, and assess risk and, and are able to sort of give feedback through the price system to operators of both the agencies and, and, and some infrastructure. And that would help make us more secure in the future by opening up that expertise to the private sector as well. The third recommendation is removing barriers to the dynamic development of cybersecurity provision for critical infrastructure by declassifying information about known cyber threats. And in your paper, you, you discussed that maybe the federal government isn't sharing as much as they should with the private sector. I want you to expand on that. Even the sort of cyber alarmists say that, that this is the case, that the government has been overprotective of uh, its classified intelligence of, of cyber threats. Even in existing information sharing programs often you know, make it easier for private sector people to get clearance to view the information. There's very little movement on declassifying the information. A lot of this is not really important to be kept secret for national security purposes. It's just sort of a, a relic of how the Department of Defense or other agencies have been doing things for years. So I think it would be beneficial to declassify a lot of that information. I appreciate you spending the time with me, Eli. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Eli Dorado, a research fellow in the Technology Policy Program at George Mason University's Mercatus Center for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.